Lisa Leone, visiting from uh, Miami, just had a show this Saturday at the Heavyweight Gallery, part of our uh, Brave New Views series with NTS. So we're going to get in a little conversation with Lisa right now. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for asking. So I know you, but can you give everyone else a little bit of background of what, where you're coming from and where you started? Sure. So I live in Miami now, but I'm originally from New York and started as a photographer way young, like 15, 16, went to High School of Art and Design, also known as the High School of Graffiti and Breakdancing. Back then, going to school with Fable and Doze and Mare. <clears throat> so it was like the beginnings of what we now know as hip-hop. <laughs> but back then, there was no name. Really? So I majored in photography, and then everyone started to blow up and needed photographs. Oh, wow. So... Started taking pictures of them and being around. And then, you know, from there, just, just you know what happened. It started to blow up. And and you're born, you were born in the Bronx, right? Yeah, born in the Bronx. And then, and then when you were really young, were you into, like, was there artists in your family? Or how did you get into the arts to even begin with? You know, nobody in my family is in the arts. But my uncle, my mother's brother, Uncle George, mm -hmm. was like a closeted photographer. <laughs> so oh, he used really? to have a dark room. Oh, really? In his make in the bathroom, like he would convert his bathroom into a, a dark room. And when I was about ten, he brought me in, and I saw my first print be developed. Oh wow! So it was like when you're standing in the. I mean, I feel bad. Nobody has that anymore. I mean, some people do, but it's not part of I it. I mean, yeah, the whole thing of like going in with the into the dark and trying to load your reel into the canister and all that. And stuff. then that just was putting like, crazy. like a piece of eight by ten paper in the developer and watching the image come up. It yeah. also gave you time to really look at the image. Yes. Because then you had to put it in the stop and then the fixer and. You know, yeah, and even how, how much you, you could pull it out at various times and get different levels of like contrast and everything like that. Yeah, it just it gave you the same with editing with film, right? Before the Avid, you had the steam back. Mm -hmm. So like you used to have to go through all the film and you would watch it really fast to like forward and rewind to get to different frames. It gave you a chance to see it. Now that with digital, you don't really have that. It's crazy uh, when you're on like a commercial photo shoot now. They just have these two like machine rapid gunfire cameras on either side. Just like, oh, well, out of 2,500 shots, we'll get one good one. And back in the day, it was like you have 32 chances to 36, get it right. Yeah. 36, yeah. Well, and you only had like, at least me, I only had a couple of rolls of film because yeah. it was expensive. So I would go on set or go to like Nozilmatic, you know, the recording session yeah. or wherever. Only with a few rolls of film. So you were really discerning about the image you were going to take. You yeah. stood, hung out. You got to feel the vibe. And you knew like that moment. And then you'd be like, click. And then you'd wait. And then see. So you had to be much more in the rhythm. It wasn't about... Now I feel like it's much more about the editing when you go home by yourself. Mm -hmm. Where then it was like, well, you were there. Which... Again, I think that well, you probably even had something. to like kind of compose the shots in your mind ahead of time. Be like, oh, the lighting is good like this. Oh, they look good like that. Like because I got like few chances to actually do it that I have to like I'm going to hit this shot. Yeah. But it was more about also the feeling, right? Like yeah. capturing the feeling mm. and what what's happening in this room. What do I want to record? Yeah. 
Well, hold on. Before we get in, because I want to talk about some classic shots, because you got some crazy classic shots. But before, let's just get a little. So, so then you go, you get, you apply for art school, you get into art school, and then you're all of a sudden with all these people. And but at at that time, like New York is having like a zeitgeist moment. There's uptown, downtown. There's all these things of like art and music and everything coming together. And, and so lucky to be around at that time because it was like every Friday night we'd be at the Roxy. You know, you had like Debbie Mazar and Fat Laces. Wow. And, you know, I the first time I met Debbie, she had, you know, green suede pumas with melon fat laces, like blonde Bobby doll hair, a nameplate. You know, it was just. And what year would this be about? I guess about 82. Crazy. But it was just like a mixture. You'd have like B-boys, you'd have rock stars, you've had artists, you've had... MCs, you know, yeah. it, it was, you know, you'd have like Madonna dancing with cowboy, you know, like, it's like these are the images yeah. that you're seeing. And then you have like, you know, crazy legs and, and wiggles and yeah. everybody like dancing over here. And well, they, they try to encapsulate that in that Blondie video that, right? That yeah, 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 <laughs> right, yeah, like, fab. yeah, 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 it, it's just, but you didn't know it at the time, right? Like my favorite thing was like I lived at the time when I moved to high school we moved to Manhattan and I lived by 42nd Street Times Square mm -hmm. which is much different than it is yeah. now and it would be every night I would like go down 42nd Street uh, train subway be in the lat wait on the last car because all your friends start from like uptown and come yeah. down and then you'd be on the one wait in the last car you open everyone's like smoking tagging up it was like a party in the last car yeah. and then everyone gets off at 18th street walks down to Roxy it was just wow. it was so good but you don't we didn't know it was just like we were just having fun you yeah know? And it was like everything was kind of like uptown, downtown. Everything was all mixing into one. And then people like. Just like an outburst of. of and they didn't even really call Like it was like, you know, now hip hop is like the vernacular. Everything is like, you know. Yeah, because. Can't imagine life without it. I don't think we called it. It was just like. And you could identify who was who. Like a, a B-boy or a graffiti artist, an MC. It was all just everybody together. Like now I think people think hip hop. It's like MC, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah. it was. Everything. It was is a total art form. Who is some? What were a couple like wow moments at that time when you like went somewhere and you're like wow, or being around something, or just like certain times when you like kind of came in, or the first time you saw somebody and you were just like, oh wow. I mean, this is a maybe a weird one, but there was after school in high school, we used to go up on 14th Street. The fashion illustrator um, Antonio Lopez used to draw like does and mare and mare was my boyfriend at the time. So we used to go, <laughs> so I used to go up there and you'd be in this insane, like creative space of Antonio drawing. And there'd be like Pat Cleveland and Jerry Hall and all these people just like hanging out and just, it, it just was a, I don't know. It was really special for me as a young artist, like mm -hmm. to be in that, to watch that and have that kind of studio and that kind of space and those kind of artists around. It was just so inspiring. Crazy. And then you would have like kids from the Brooklyn and Bronx and stuff, but then Jerry, like, yeah, like supermodels and yeah. rock stars. Yeah, you'd and, have like, you know, from the South Bronx, this yeah. whole like contingent. And then it would be like Jerry Hall and Pat Cleveland and, <laughs> you know, like this. So it was, it was constantly everywhere you went. But then you had like the underbelly of like, what's still going on like beefs right between yeah. like 
you know, the was ballbusters it, was, was in Zulu like, Nation. Was, like, was there danger there a bit was sometimes? The, there was always danger. I mean, I remember being me. I think it was me, Mayor, Kel. I think it was the three of us. And they were in a fight, I think, with A1 or something. And, and we were on the Upper West Side. And somehow he found us. And all of a sudden, we're being chased down the block. What? By him and his boys with a batter, with a with a sock full of D batteries. That's what people used to do. It's like, like the used warriors to, used to put D batteries in a sock and then boom. So we're like running, and we realize we're by Henry Henry Chalfant's house, yeah. who just has an amazing show up at the Bronx Museum. And we're like, shit, let's go to Henry's. So we're like, we just come on. These guys are running with like socks and batteries. Yeah. So we then we finally like we get to Henry's. We go upstairs, and Henry's like in the middle of this like dinner party with all these people. What? No. <laughs> but this is the beauty of Henry because yeah. it didn't matter. He was like, come in. And we're like, <laughs> it was chasing us with batteries. <laughs> we're in high school and it's like all these like, you know, adults, you know, on the Upper West Side. And, but then we just like, chilled there for hours and wow. he gave us drinks and we hang out. So it was, and what it were was they, and what danger, were but fun. That's why it was like, like a, just a ball of creativity. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Everyone kind of like, had romanticizes those times, but it, it really was freedom. And also, I mean, the affordability and you look into all those kind of things, you could have like these crazy spots and also like yeah. the, like the open where, where you could have art music, people smoking, hanging out, having a good time all going all night long. Yeah. So what was some of the spots then? Was it like, as far as galleries, what was like, was it like fun gallery was going on? Yeah, there was the fun gallery. There was fashion moda. Mm. And then who was who was in your tight group? Uh, for me, it was Mayor One Thirty Nine. Yeah. Obviously, Cal first it was the whole rock stars. TVS, TC Five wow. was Doze, Min, Min One, of course. Yeah. Shy One Forty Seven, rest in peace. Um, so it was it was that crew. Fable. Then on the dance yeah. side, there was Fable, Doze. Yeah. And what about your girlfriends? I mean, Debbie Mazar and I were very close because she was going out with Kel and I was going out with Mayor. Okay. So, so that's like, how we met. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then I remember we were at their grandmother's house in the projects on the Upper West Side and they hated that we smoked cigarettes. So we were like, we would sneak out of the apartment and go in the back staircase. And we were like smoking. We're like, no matter what happens with these guys, like we're going to be friends forever, which we still are. And But we're still friends with, with Carlos and Randy. Yeah. So, so it's like we all remain friends. Um so yeah, it was I mean Debbie, and then then you're going. So you decided you're just going to start taking photos and documenting things, or or would you just coming home from school and you'd have your camera with you anyways, or like how did you start taking photos? Yeah, I was interested in photography from my uncle, like I mentioned, and I didn't want to go to my local high school because it mm. was really bad. So I was like, let me try out. My best friend at the time, Natasha, her sister was at Art and Design, who was older. And we were like, let's just try out for Art and Design. It seems really cool. So we did and got in. And like I said, it was like Fable started going on tour. You know, it was like 83 was a real pivotal year because Star Wars came out um, and uh, Flashdance, that Crazy Legs and Wiggles and all of them. So it was a year where everybody, the world started to understand what this was and now and did you feel like people, an ambassador a little bit were you getting people like kind of coming just, showing up and kind of asking or like no it was just cool like you know people would be like i need pictures like yeah. now they needed photos and press photos and you know wow. rocksteady i photographed a bunch of times yeah so it just kind of came up like that like out of the need 
of what was happening. Now everybody, you know, the whole analog versus digital back then, it was like, you know, now everybody has a really good camera on their phone. Everything's documented, everything. But like back then, I always think like, you know, guys would even try and take your camera and stuff. Like it wasn't always easy to always just like roll. And also you didn't want to like look like the person coming in the club with wearing a camera and stuff. And I'm like. The thing is that was funny is, I mean, I think about all the shots I didn't take. Yeah. Because I was a B girl. Yeah. So, and I wasn't. Like, I was more hanging out all the time. Like, I think about, oh, my God, I the images that I could have had. But, you know, I was in, I went to school for photography, right, and yeah. design. So it was like school. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to be <laughs> doing that. And you never thought, like, I need to, do- you yeah. know, 15, 16, 17 years old, you're not like, I need to document this time. It's really yeah. important. Yeah. You know, it's just like what it was. Uh, but when I did start, like, Years later, when, it, you know, all the MCs and, you know, Def Jam and all that kind of stuff happened. I used to shoot with a Leica, which is a very small camera. So mm-hmm. people didn't really pay attention to me that much. I mean, it's, it's, it was developed in the 30s, like for photojournalists, because mm-hmm. it's so quiet. To the point where, like, I, would, I remember when I was shooting Big Daddy Kane. And he started making fun of my camera. He was like, yo, oh, really? well, why don't you, like... When are you going to bring out the real camera? Yeah, he's <laughs> like, what's up with that camera? You know, like... He was telling me he was at a shoot and yeah. they were, you know, the other day and they had a big motor drive and it was a big camera. And I just kind of laughed like this camera is triple the amount than yeah. any of those cameras. But OK. So I just kind of laughed. And I was like, do I go in the studio and tell you what to do? Like, relax. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. You how did it become you make the transition then? So you your friends just started asking you to, like, you know, help them out with their headshot or doing different things. But then, I mean, you started doing some real like serious work and classic shots like how did that how did you make that transition i mean there was years in between right before it was like so the we're going 80s. From 82 to like 90. yeah so then i went away to college i was getting a little too wild in new york i needed to leave a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah. like a little too hectic so yeah. i left and then i came when i came back then it started to real it was like popping so now we're like in the late 80s yeah. early 90s so but a lot of my friends had stayed in new york and started magazines like yeah. sasha jenkins with rap yeah. you know all of this so they were this is like pre-source magazine still why did it why why did it get too hectic i just was like it was just too much i was like someone would step on my foot and i'd start a fight like i was yeah. on edge <laughs> <laughs> I had to go. (laughs) (laughs) And then I came back three years later, a much calmer person. Mellows in. Yeah. Yeah. Mellowed out a bit. And then, um, so people, you know, but I was still shooting. Yeah. So they asked me to, and I had gone away to school. I got a scholarship actually to Rhode Island School of Design. So it Mm. was a completely different atmosphere. Total mellow me out. You know, got into my craft a little bit more. And then then you're kind of embracing that as like a professional. This is like a vocation for you. Yeah, this is it. So I went back and, you know, because I was from New York and had those connections already. Yeah. It was just like, oh shit, you're back. Like, do you want to shoot this? Can you shoot this? Can you do this? And it just kind of, you know, went off from there. And what was it, what was one of your first like shots you kind of got recognized for that you like? I think one of the things that kind of got me in in a big circulation way, not just like in an underground, is mm-hmm. like I said, because a lot of my friends were like directing music videos yeah. or doing this. And Fab, Fab Five Freddy, Fab and I were good friends, and he called me and said, yo, I'm going to go 
to Long Beach and shoot Snoop's first video. Why don't you come? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I love shit, this story. okay. <laughs> so I was like, all right, but I thought, how the hell am I going to get to L.A.? Yeah. And also, what was your, and what was your vision of L.A.? Because L.A., you know, now we see everything on TV. We- right, but we didn't have that back then. It wasn't, like, all on TV, and it was before, like, gangster rap and this and that. And I was yeah. like, why are they, you know, like, L.A., whatever, you know, being Bronx yeah, and this I'm and that. I was York, like, yeah. what, okay, Long Beach, whatever. You're like, so, palm trees, it's giving nice Yeah, exactly. Sunny. I'm like, why are they complaining? They yeah. all have, like, houses and backyards. Yeah. <laughs> They're not in, like, big project buildings, yeah. oppressive, yeah. you know. So... I was like, let me investigate this. But I was like, how do I get out there? So I remember the next boyfriend owed me money and I called him and he's like, I don't have money. I said, I need to get to LA. He goes, well, I have like miles. I said, great, give me your miles. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he gave me his miles and I got out there. I stayed at a friend's house, made my way to Long Beach. And when I met up with them, they were at VIP, the record store in, in Long Beach. Yeah, the classic place. The classic. And Snoop, at this point, Snoop was on the roof. And you see some of the photos that I shot of that. But as we're there, I start looking around and I see these gang dudes. And I was, I never saw anything like that back then, you know, was like dudes wearing shower caps with like teardrops tattooed and chancletas with knee socks. And it was just like, such a visual like what is happening but also looking like killers yeah man (laughs) like in new york if someone steps to you like they want to like beat you up they want to rob like you can feel it like i kind of it was like this deadness in their eyes that i felt like this dude's gonna kill me for no reason it was scary and even where there was a guy that was that that Fab and I knew that was like a notorious gangster from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, these dudes are scary. And he was like, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, it's not just me. This yeah. dude is saying it too. Wow. So then we were like moving locations to a park. And mm-hmm. I Fab at the time didn't have a driver's license. Mm-hmm. So I drove, I said, Yeah, come in my car. And I drove him out. We get to the next location. And all of a sudden, I hear, like, these helicopters going off. People, all of a sudden, I can feel scattering running around and gunshots going off. And I was like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, they're telling Fab, get, you know, you got to go, get, leave, we got to go. And Fab and I are like, holy shit. So we start (laughs) running back to the car, and I'm trying to shoot, and Fab's yelling at me. Fab and I have had a lot of adventures around the world like this. You know, we've been, like, chased by prostitutes in Paris. Like, we we get into some shit, but we have a good time. And he's like, come on, Lisa, you're going to get us killed. I was like, all right. I'm, like, running and shooting, running and shooting. He's like, get the fuck, blah, blah, blah. So we finally get in the car. I'm like, get out, swerve, cut everybody off, get out. Yeah. So we're safe. Cut to three weeks later, and everything's in a studio now. <laughs> the, the whole yeah. shoot has moved to a studio, security. And I Which still, video is this? This is the the first video was my name. So yeah. I was, I never met, I didn't get to meet Snoop because he was okay. on the roof. He was a, So when we get to the studio, I finally meet Snoop. Fab is like, oh, Snoop, this is my, you know, my friend Lisa, blah, blah, blah. And Snoop looks at me for a long time. First, he's like, hi, how you doing? He was really shy and quiet back then. And then he's giving me this look. I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? And he said, you were the one driving Fab that other day in the park, right? And I go, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, you cut me and Sugar off. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, well, 
we need to get out. And then he just kind of grinned. And then I thought to myself, wow, wow, they're so used to like car culture. Like they can peep like and remember for three weeks later coming from New York. Like we didn't have a car culture. You know, it wasn't like that. So, yeah. So then I came back and wrote about it and went uh-huh. to Vibe magazine and okay. said, hey, I have this story oh, and these great. photos. And Rob Kenner, who was the editor back then, he was like, would you want a weekly, a monthly article on oh, Vibe wow. magazine oh, to perfect. do a behind the scenes? So that so. was like, what's my name behind the scenes? And then you saw um, and all the classic. And that, I mean, that just, was a massive song. And then, you know, every month now I just went and did that on music videos. Oh, my God. It went on for three years. So mm-hmm. vocab, the Fugees classic. and Brandy with Latifah and Yo-Yo and yeah. then. So, um, and D'Angelo, so you did D'Angelo too? D'Angelo, I didn't do for that. My friend <clears throat> Malik Saeed was directing Untitled, the X rated version. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I just want to get a bunch of, you know, people yeah. shooting and just yeah. shoot and create this atmosphere. And I was like, It was pretty much his body. Just Whoa, <laughs> this is some atmosphere we got going on. So it's just like two days of just. Insaneness. <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. But you know, how hot is D'Angelo? So <laughs> And so then you went back and you were doing this and then so how did you get the uh I know you were in, in the studio with Nas when they were doing the Illmatic and I know when they did the show the other day and there was like very there was like nobody that was in the studio. So those like shots of Q tip, large fetzer, how did that come about? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. I don't, I don't even remember that I was there. Like 25 years later. No, so, I remember you coming to the gallery and showing me that. I was like, well, oh my God, this is incredible. I didn't even realize what happened was is that for years people were like, because I moved on to like cinematography and directing and got into films. So I had these art, I had this archive for like 25 years just sitting there mm-hmm. and people that knew I was shooting is like, yo, what's up with all your photos? What's up with the archives? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll get to it. It wasn't time yet. I didn't feel it. And then one day I was like, let me see what's up in here. Mm -hmm. So my friend Don, who's a photographer, had a scanner. So I said, can I come over and just scan some stuff? Mm -hmm. And I started scanning stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he, because everything was negative in slides, right? So You probably just forget that you have all this stuff. I forgot. So he's like... He's a total hip hop head. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of peeking over my shoulder and he was like, are, what? Are you, are you fucking kidding me? What is that? Where's that from? What yeah. is that? And I was like, oh shit, I forgot about that. Like it was like oh all of this stuff. And he's like, oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but I remember the day now when I found them, I was like, oh yeah, but I, I don't remember who I was there. Might have been for Sasha. Yeah. I, someone well, I mean, just called me. It was of- very last minute. Like, you know, hey, you want to go up? Nas is, you know, this young guy, Nas is doing an album. I was like, all right. Yeah. So I just went. Um, but that's how it was back then. It was like community. People weren't really. Um, well, I think sometimes that's what people forget is that when like cities are having their scene or there's a time in there, it's not just one thing or one place. There's like all these things going all at the same time. They're all kind of like interacting and moving and things are crossing over. There's different things going at the same time. It's like, you know, I was sitting at home one day and Hype and Malik called me and was like, mm-hmm. yo, we're down the block at Nell's shooting Biggie, Big Papa. Why don't you come on over and shoot some stuff? I was like, all right. And I just like grabbed my camera, walked down the street, went to Nell's, hung out for the day. 
I, like that that's was that's an just, amazing photo I, it was just like the norm again like it was pre-cell phones pre-video yeah you know like all that so I would be a lot of times the only one with a camera or somebody would run in maybe from the record company whatever but I had the relationships also it seems like it was probably a pretty male dominated time where it was like oh I yeah I mean how did was, was that it was very male I mean Suquan was shooting of course yeah. the great Suquan but you know, you had to deal with the bullshit. Yeah. It was just kind of like, hey. Yeah. But don't forget, I was a B-girl also. Yeah, so from I, the Bronx. <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, there was like, I yeah. didn't look like the video girls. Yeah. So I was very, you know. But I mean, the environment, the everything, you must have been a lot of like suspect oh, yeah. stuff going on all yeah, the time. Yeah, and there was always, like, so that I'd be watching all the time, like these yeah. poor girls or yeah. this kind of thing. But people would step to me too, and I'd yeah. be like, yeah, no. Yeah. So it was, but you know, I used to get it from even other male photographers on set. Yeah. Were really Macho. a fool to me. Like yeah. I was just like some little. Yeah. I was like, all right. I, yeah. You know, I. I didn't really give a shit. I yeah. was like, do what you got to do. I'm doing what I got to do. I don't yeah. really give a shit. Yeah. But it was just stupid to me. And all my guys, you know, was came up with all the guys. Yeah. Again, there weren't a lot of females yeah. there. So it was like, I was used to running around with like, Shy 147, Cal First, Mayor 139, yeah. Bin One. You know, it was yeah. like, that was my crew. So yeah. I was like, whatever. Yeah, but you were a trailblazer though too, for sure. I mean, I mean, now things are. I mean, hopefully you're getting, but everything's transitioning, of course. But it was a pretty macho time. It was very, sure. it was very macho. I mean, you were, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. even with the big daddy cane, it was yeah. just like, oh, how cute, all right, whatever. Yeah. You and your little camera. Yeah. So you just you know, that one shot that you have off. from the Snoop video where it's the girl next to the the yeah that the says it all and, stuff. and it was just like and I was like what part of that I don't remember that in the video you're like that wasn't even a part of it but that was just like the craziness that was going around all around of all yeah this wild that was stuff. that was like Snoop was up on the record on the rooftop and then if you look down that was going on like right below it was like all his boys trying to rap to the video girls that was the thing is that nobody would try and mess with me because you had these gorgeous video girls walking yeah. around half naked like yeah. you know and when you're on set I was like not yeah. all dressed up yeah. and stuff so yeah. it's so funny I mean so how did you start then making the transition to TV and film well, I went from photography to cinematography first. Craig Henry, who was a director, music video director. You're on the set with the music, but also they were they were shooting these like what were they shooting these videos on? Like some of it was film, right? And then oh no, it was it was film. It was bef- this is pre digital, so mm-hmm. we were shooting film, and Craig Henry was about to shoot a Chi Ali video, mm. and he asked me and Malik Saeed to shoot it. Yeah. So we shot, Malik shot like the 35 millimeter portion. I Mm -hmm. shot the Bolex 16 millimeter portion. We got together and decided like how we were going to do it. And the video was really low budget, but it blew up. It looked amazing. Funky Lemonade. And then Craig started to get all this work. So then we would just be on the road, Malik, myself, and Craig. And sometimes AJ, Arthur Jaffa. The four of us shot a lot of music videos back then. But then AJ and Malik went on. AJ went and shot Crooklyn. 
and then mm-hmm. Malik shot clockers for Spike. Wow. So then I moved up into, then I started shooting. It was just me and Craig now shooting yeah. the videos. And that's how it happened. That's how I went to the cinematography. And then I started shooting people's short films. And, you know, once I saw my images move. You enjoyed it. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was good. Um, and then I took a real turn and went and worked for Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> and how did, I mean, how did, I mean, that is huge. That was his, I, I was asked by his daughter, Vivian, I was friends with Vivian and Stanley faxed her like four pages of research things to shoot around New York. Because he was in London. He's in London. And yeah. he didn't want to be, in, he didn't want to. He didn't come out. He didn't come out. No. So she said to me, listen, you know, I'm about to move cross country. I don't have time to do all this. Can you help me with this? But I can't pay you. I can't tell my dad you're doing it, but I could buy you film. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it's all in my neighborhood. I was, yeah. She was a good friend. I was like, sure, never thinking anything would come out of it. I shot the pictures. I sent it to her. And I had worked on films already. By this time, also, while I was doing the cinematography, I got into the union to shoot stills. So I was yeah. working on sets. And now were you already. doing it as a favor or you were a fan? Did you like realize? Of the, course, like- I loved Stanley Kubrick, but I was close to Vivian. Okay. So it was like her dad and yeah. I was doing her a favor. Yeah. Never in a million years thinking I would yeah. ever meet him. Yeah. So or talk to him. Yeah. So then um, like six months went by. I forgot. I was in Trinidad for Carnival, for Vibe magazine. And when I came back, there was a message on my answering machine, because we didn't have cell phones back then, mm-hmm. from Stanley saying, you know, because she had, he had told Vivian, these are the best research pictures I've ever seen. And then she was like, oh, I didn't do it. My friend Lisa <laughs> did it. And da, da, da. Wow. So I called him back and he's like, do you want a few weeks of work? Yeah. And then it turned into four years of doing everything. I did the set decoration. I did directing. So you went out to London. He I saw went out what to, you were doing. We worked together for a year just doing research. Because he, he was a method, methodologist. Like he was, he's a genius, right? Yeah, he's a genius. He's a bona fide but, genius. Yeah, but he was also from the same neighborhood in the Bronx and my yeah. family was. So yeah. we, there was like an instant... Yeah. Connection, like yeah. I, he still spoke, like yeah. So it was very easy the communication, and you know I wound up sending two forty-five for containers of taxi cabs and light posts and everything to build this set in the back of Pinewood Studios to be New York. What movie was that for? You know, Eyes Wide Shut. Okay. And then went out there and did set decorating, did all the lighting and film tests. Then I was in the movie because I was the only one with a New York accent when he decided to have it. So the wow. next thing I know, I'm like. Having lines with Tom Cruise, which is hilarious. (laughs) Then I went back and directed Second Unit and hired Malik and AJ to shoot the Second Unit for me. So it all comes full circle, right? Amazing. And then in the middle of that, he passed. So it was four years I got with him and had an incredible relationship and so then I came back to New York and started DPing like independent features. Yeah. Well, I mean, that must have been like kind of fairy tale moment in a way and then just to be out there and to be like a Bronx girl being and then and then he's recreating New York in in outside London. Yeah, and, it was and, amazing. And, and even the the way he said that you two would communicate that like, you know, you know the way that like your rapport was. It was pretty amazing. So yeah, so then I came back and did that and then got with Thibault de Longueville and and we we did that uh infamous sneaker documentary just for kicks mm. together, which was fun. Now you've had some big shows. I mean, you were in the Smithsonian. 
Yeah. And then, you had the Bronx Museum. I've had a couple heavyweight shows. Uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> heavyweight too? Yeah, no, but it's how been weird. It and and like, with us, you and I, we were in yeah. Milan and yeah. Amsterdam. Amsterdam and, yeah, and Berlin. Yeah, no, people, Miami. people, yeah. It feels great. I mean, you know, I think as an artist, you're always feeling this way. And all I keep thinking about is the images I didn't have, <laughs> that, yeah. that I didn't photograph, you know. And I still haven't scanned all the photos yet. Yeah. My archives are like, I haven't even gone through everything yet because I've just been working and I haven't yeah. had time to do it. So I'm like, all right, the same photos are just keeping going around and people are seeing them. And I'm like, all right, there's, I got to get to look at these other photos. Yeah. What else is in there? <laughs> but I got to say, it's like, it is, I was listening to this thing about like GPS now, how like GPS is like interfering with people's brains a little bit sometimes that like there's a part of your brain that is, it's the part that does future projection. Or if you get lost, you're lost. It's good to get lost a little bit because you have to kind of find your way. And I feel like when we were younger, when I was growing up looking at like Thrasher magazine or Source or go whatever it was, and you would see these pictures of New York or London or wherever it is, but there wasn't much else around it. So you kind of imagine the scenario and imagine everything around it. Whereas now, you know, everything, it's like you don't really get lost because you have GPS all the time. Everything's so documented. You kind of can see so everything about it. It's That's interesting. That's interesting. Plus, I'm still friends with a lot of, yeah. you know, with Fable and Mayor and a mm-hmm. bunch of... So, when we get together, it's like we're back in high school. Yeah. You know, it's like we get, you know, so you do, we still do go back to that time all the time. And now you're working with Young Arts. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. So, I'm also the vice president of artistic programs at the National Young Arts Foundation, which supports and nourishes young artists 15 to 18 years Mm -hmm. old. Some of the so old- do you see like your younger self sometimes? Absolutely. That's why I'm in love with, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, there's like 8,000 applications and there's maybe like 600 winners out of there. So they're like the top, top artists. And I look at them and I think, oh, like myself, yeah. and my young self and yeah. what do they need? And so, but some of the alum, you know, it's. And it's art, amazing. music, photography, it's painting. T- it's 10 disciplines in literary, performing, cinematic design visual arts you know so it's like i said 10 disciplines you know you have viola davis kerry washington daniel arsham i mean and so i mean and it's it's and and the funny thing i got it get a little bit just before we end on this thing too because it is so important right now to have like arts funding and be able you know for kids to be able to have an outlet to put it into the arts and 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 things And, and you grew up in trump era new york so you know what a D-bag he is, like, yeah, and, and how he's trying to cut all this arts and culture and all this kind of thing. And you and you can see, like, because now it's, you know, my friend's son got accepted a really good school, but it's like 80 grand a, a it's semester. Ridiculous. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. You need to have outlets. You know, the, the, the kids need these outlets because it also, not only is it, like, fueling them for their creativity and their art, but it's forming community. Yeah. And like we were, we have a strong program with the alumni of the program also who are still working together. A lot of them from that week that they went, some of them 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you I have Camille Brown and Eric Owens just did something at the Guggenheim together. Yeah. I, you know, Terrence Blanchard, who we're, we're honoring this year is 
an alum like yeah. and you you it's really important for the artists to have communities and because it's a national organization there are kids out there that don't don't have a community and you need that community to be to be all types all walks all exactly. backgrounds and all yeah because you could be from a rural farmland yeah and you're the only artist and you're the weirdo and whatever and yeah. and and then you come and you find other artists and there's a community and, yeah. and support and love and you could be who you are and mm-hmm. it's very important it's very important and that can and that can lead for a whole future and that's the thing is if it just becomes only a certain person from a certain background can be able to afford to go to these school you're not going to get the the you know yeah exactly so that's why i mean it's interesting how life works right so so Debbie Allen, who also has Dada, her dance school, is a big proponent of young people in the arts. And so she used to come in. I brought her in to teach classes and to speak and to direct. And then through her, she was like, she knew my background as a director and cinematographer and stuff. And she's like, why aren't you directing TV? So she gave me my first shot yeah. with Grey's Anatomy yeah. to direct television. Mm-hmm. But it was through Young Arts, like Crazy. hashtag because of Young Arts. It's weird how life is, how things come about in that way. That's amazing. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, anyone uh, listening, make sure to go to hbwa.com. You can see some of Lisa's work and her past work and upcoming stuff. And uh, really and appreciate Instagram, it. Instagram at the real Lisa Leone. Yeah, the real Lisa Leone. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Brave New Views with Heavyweight Gallery.